This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are excited tonight. We have a fantastic show. We have some wonderful guests. This is John Massengill sitting in studio with Les Kaiser. Howdy, howdy, howdy. What do you know, Mr. Kaiser? Did you spend some time out at Circuit of the Americas today? Uh, I went out to the Cars and Coffee this morning. Somebody told me it might be the largest Cars and Coffee they ever had. If you're familiar with Circuit of the Americas and the parking situation out there, Lot A was almost entirely full of cars, and they were fantastic ones. I met several people from Houston, and so, folks, if you're not familiar with the geography of Texas, nothing's too close. That's about three hours away that came over this morning. They got up extra early. Wow. I got out there about 930, and there were Houston cars there. And, uh, yeah, I got to say, it was a lot of fun, great activity. You know, I saw a lot of the CODA staff we know and work with. And uh, Texas is like a whole other country. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> We're not changing. <laughs> the producer's just so proud of himself right now. I, I, I love smiling. it. Hey, you know, we've uh, got him tuned did in. You, did you happen to see any of the piles of freshly dug up old asphalt? I did not make it over there. I had another race car appointment I was headed to. <laughs> but, yeah. I heard that there's, you know, I'm I'm thinking I'm going to sneak over there and like with my sandwich bag and, and get a I know, sandwich bag. That's or a great two. idea. Don't, don't tell anybody. I don't want Bobby Epstein I, chasing I still, me down. I still have some of the rocks in my in, in the bottom of my shoe that I went out there in 2012 before the track even opened. Right up on the corner of Turn One, those little rocks up there that constitutes as evidence for trespassing. You know. <laughs> hey, let me talk about who we got on the show tonight because we have a fantastic good show. idea. Let's change topics. Yeah, uh, we're going to start off with uh, live at. Well, actually, we're going to start with an interview we did with the Aston Martin factory driver Darren Turner, who's racing in the World Endurance Championship and is going to be here at Coda. In February, on February 22nd and 23rd, for the World Endurance Championship, coming back to Coda. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be out there on the microphones, by the way. So yeah. listen for us out there that weekend. I love that series. I know. Uh, I'm so excited I mean, that they're really back. I do love that series. And but I that, love all the things that go on out there. I was talking, I recognized one of the families I met from Formula One this weekend. And he said, yeah, we're, you know, Formula One's the only race we've been to at Coda. And I said, oh, said, dude, you're you, missing out. You, you're missing out for one. And I rattled off the calendar for him. And he's like, well, I got to start saving up. And I said, well, yeah, his, well, get this fans. The son is named after Jensen. Oh, his really? Name That's is cool. Jensen. That's so cool. I, so I told him, I said, if I when they come in, this is such a fantastic open paddock. Yeah. Come in. Jensen's going to meet more cars and drivers. And, well, all. and there's it's, so many drivers too. You yeah. know, just your odds of running into one are, are better. But yeah, so we've got uh, Darren Turner coming on, and we got that interview we did with him. I interviewed him this morning. That's uh, that wasn't live, but live at seven thirty, 
we have Cooper McNeil, so an IMSA racer who's going to be racing the uh, 24 Hours of Daytona He's next week. one of those week. guys that have raced my favorite brands. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, not Corvette like you. I'm talking Porsche and Ferrari in his history is is. He's yeah. probably raced a Corvette. This guy's raced just about everything. He's yeah. probably raced Corvettes. No, too, he's but. awesome. So we got him at 7.30. And then after that, we have Bob Varsha coming on. One Uncle of the, Bob. The legendary voices of motorsports. And, yeah, we're excited to have Bob on, get his thoughts about what's going on, and, and talk about his health a little bit, too. And uh, so, yeah, we got a great show. Really excited about that. But, uh, but we're going to go to break pretty quick because we want to get in this interview. But I got a few stories we want to talk about. Speaking of Circuit of the Americas, the W Series coming to Austin. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, this is a uh, really is, exciting story. This is big news. I was actually talking to Mason, uh, one of our guys out there that we deal with, and Mason was telling me, he goes, you know, I was so proud that that's happening. And he asked me, he goes, but honestly, he goes, what do you think about the W Series? Ah. And I said, I love the, I said, I understand your dilemma. And I said, I wish it wasn't something that was needed. And yeah. that, you know, we saw the women out on track as much as we see the men. But you know what? I'm glad somebody's stepping in and creating this series. And we've got a great connection to the W Series. Yeah. And uh, so you're going to get the opportunity to meet a lot of the women in the W Series yeah. leading up to that event. You know, the thing that really, I watched some of the racing. It was great. And, but the thing that really cemented why I was excited about it is after we had Jamie Chadwick on the show. She Jamie's was awesome. so impressive. I mean, just in every possible way. And she's obviously a great race driver because she won the, the inaugural series, too. We th but I mean, she is fantastic. But there's a lot of fantastic women that just don't get the uh, the TV time and the publicity yep. out there. And that's what the W Series is doing. And we got an American in there, Sabre Cook. Sabre Cook. Yep. So, yeah, they're going to bring – and they're going to be racing with Formula One. That's the exciting thing is they're coming back oh, – coming yeah. to COTA – but they're going to be racing with Formula One at Circuit of the Americas and at Mexico. And, you know, Formula One, I need to dig into this story because Formula One was publicizing this pretty heavily, too. I'm just excited. I mean, you know, the, the ultimate goal of all of this is if we have a woman, a woman driver in Formula One. Wouldn't that? Let's do this. All right. Let's see. What else? There's a couple other stories I want to get in before we go to break. Uh, Hinchcliffe driving the 500. Yeah, we've been wondering what he's up to. He hasn't. Made a lot of public noise uh, since uh, over the holidays. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very. That's cool. a big way to make it. Yep. And uh, let's see. Oh, the Ford versus Ferrari movie. You know, when I went to this, when you and I went together, yeah. and we sat on either side of a Lamar winner, Price, Price Cobb, Cobb. Yeah. When you know somebody asked me when at the next day, they said, "What did you think?" And I said, "I said it was borderline religious experience for me." Yeah. <laughs> Because of, I really, not, not just because we were sitting with Price, but the movie was fantastic. And I wondered how good it was to everybody else who wasn't involved in racing. And there's your answer, because they've been nominated for four Academy hey, Awards, including Best Picture, dude. I got to tell you that uh, we've got somebody that uh, I ran into in a social event. He and his wife went to it. They're bicycle riders. They're not into motor racing of, of any type. And... He said, well, we really went to it because we heard it was just a fantastic yeah. movie. Yep. My wife likes you know, Matt Damon and said, uh, we came out and was like, that was a really interesting story. And so I talked with him a little bit. I said, okay, go to Netflix, watch, you know, watch Rush, watch the Netflix Formula One series, you know, yep. that they put out for 2018 se don't season. Forget, don't forget Uppity. 
Yeah, Uppity's <laughs> coming up. I, I watched the 24 <laughs> War. You know, Uppity is done by Chassis Media, you bet. Uh, Adam Carolla. Yeah, I but... watched the 24 War uh, in the last few days, anyway. I watched that one, too. That was really good, too. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get our first break in because we're going to start with our first interview of the night with Mike Conway. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Austin's Talk 1370. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Roger Hayden, Factory Yosemir Suzuki. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, so our first interview of the night here is uh, really excited because the World Endurance Endurance Championship is coming back to Austin. And this interview, I caught up with Darren Turner this morning. He is the factory driver uh, for the Aston Martin racing team. He's got got a heck of a job. Not only does he drive the, the, the race car for Aston Martin, and, but he also does some testing and other things for the factory cars, including he he drove the new hypercar. So oh, yeah, he's he's got a heck of a job. So let's go ahead and play this interview with uh, with Mike Conway. 
All right, Speed City fans, we are very excited. As you know, we have the World Endurance Championship coming back to Circuit of the Americas, and we have one of the drivers who's going to be racing in the World Endurance Championship here in Austin. We have Darren Turner, one of the world's, really one of the best best drivers in the world, most experienced drivers everywhere from uh, Formula One and now racing for the Aston Martin team since actually quite a while, since about 2005. And we're excited to have you, and welcome to the show, Darren. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, I've been with Aston for a long time, that's for sure. So uh, uh, when they came back to racing in 2005, I was just happened to be one of the, the guys that was part of the, the sort of existing team at, at Pro Drive doing other other types of, uh, of racing. And, um, yeah, when they came back, it was a, a great opportunity, and it's been it's been a lot of fun all these years now to be still racing with, with Aston Martin and... Uh, I think it's now 15 years of, of, of racing with these guys. So, uh, yeah, really enjoying it. And it's great that we're, uh, we're coming back to, to Austin. It's, uh, it's always been a favorite of the, of the guys that have been racing in the WEC championship. And, uh, okay. We were meant to be racing in Brazil. Um, and that got changed and it was just really fortunate for the whole of the sort of WEC championship that Austin was available and were able to accommodate us at such a, a short notice. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it now. Well, you sounds humble, and uh, let's remind everybody you've won the 24 Alamo, what, three times? Yeah, I mean, when Aston came back to the first time we did it was 2005, and it took a couple of years, and we were racing always against Corvette, um, and <laughs> you know, they've, they've always been a, one of those sort of titanic teams that's been very hard to, to beat, um, and it took us a couple of years with the DBR9 to to get on top of what uh, Corvette had been achieving. So we won it in 2007 with the, with the DBR9 and then repeated that again in 2008. And then we uh, we had a, a few years in the LMP1 class, um, which was, wasn't was really that successful. Um, and then Aston Martin Racing came back to GT Racing and it's been a lot of fun since we've, uh, we've come back to GT Racing. Again, always up against Corvette and the other manufacturers like Porsche and Ferrari and and more recently Ford at, at Le Mans as well. But um, in 2017, we had our, our last sort of win there at, at Le Mans. And, um, you know, it would be nice if we could go back this year and, and try and be on the on the top step again. But the competition in GTE right now is so, so hard. And, um, yeah, it's great because the manufacturers are all very competitive and they're all putting in the the resources and, and making sure they've got good driver lineups. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be in a championship where you're – in a very competitive championship. It wouldn't be so much fun if it was easy to get a win. And, and you certainly feel like if you do get a win in this, in this championship, in, you know, any of the races and including Le Mans, um, then you, you deserve it. And, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to get that sort of position. Um, and, but yeah, it feels very good when you do. So yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to be back. And, and also, you know, I've moved across from the pro class into the AM class with Paul Dallana and, uh, and Ross Gunn. Uh, for this season so it's it's different it's a completely different sort of mindset about the way that you go racing and uh it's been successful so far since we've uh we've started together in in 98 at, at silverstone back in in august well and it's got to feel special with the competition you're talking about like you said it is some amazing competition corvette now with their mid-engine and and porsche and everybody else it's really it's it's a special thing to do well in this class but let's talk about your. Let's talk about the season so far. You know, and the, and the way that the new super season style with WEC, with with the season culminating in the twenty four hours of Le Mans. How's that been for you guys? And how's this season been? 
Yeah, it's completely sort of different. You know, when I started racing, it was always done in a yearly sort of season. So you sort of your season may have kicked off in in March and you sort of wrapped up in October and and that was it. And now you know there's so many championships that are going over sort of the the winter period, and uh, the WC is one of those seasons that is very much uh, you know in that transitional point where we've gone over the super season and now we run from late summer over the winter up until Le Mans um, and, and the 24 hours. So it's taken quite a few drivers and teams and everyone else to get to get used to it. Um, and now it feels a bit more normal. But, you know, even though, you know, it's Christmas, it was always the break was Christmas and you, you got some time to sort of relax and not worry about things. And and uh, now it's like, well, actually, it's only in between two races. Um, so you can't relax too much and you've got to keep, keep the focus and make sure that, when the uh, the racing starts again in the new year, that you're sort of straight on it. So it's a different sort of mindset from what a normal racing season would be, but it's still a lot of fun, um, and it's become a bit more normal now. Um, and we started, you know, Silverstone was was okay. Uh, one of those races that was crazy with the weather, um, heavy rain midway through the race, and then back to sort of drier conditions towards the end. Um, a normal Silverstone, windy and cold and wet uh, and miserable <laughs> at times, but we still ended up on the, on the podium there, which was a bit of a surprise because at, at one point we picked up two driving drive-through penalties and um, we got blocked in the pits. And we, there was so many things that went on that at one point I thought even if we finish in the top six, that's going to be good. So um, to have a, a, a podium finish second was a was a good start to our campaign. And we've had a few unlucky uh, unlucky races, uh, both in Fuji and Shanghai when Paul was in the car, he was taken out of the race at at various points and um you know we've lost the opportunity of picking up some points there but we've ended up on i think now we've had three podiums already this year so in this season um and we're sort of there or thereabouts in the points of the championship so i think you know kota is going to be one of those weekends that we really need to bag some big points again and just sort of continue building up that momentum and and um sort of push towards getting our first win of the, of the season that that's the key at this point we've just got to get a win under our belt just to get a bit of confidence in the team and, and sort of uh, and sort of bag those big points. Yeah, I I love the fact that the Coda is where they are in the season now because every from here on out, you know, the rate every race gets more important. And, and you know, going back to what you said about the season more normal, I think this is perfectly normal for World Endurance Champions to finish at Le Mans. I I, I think it's fantastic. You know, there's you, you culminate with a Super Bowl like atmosphere and I think it's great that the season ends that way, but but let's shift over and talk about Coda because I know you've raced here before, and I mean I've been at Coda for the World Endurance Championship, and I remember one year I may have been 2014 we had this tremendous downpour right in the middle of the race, kind of a surprise, and, and the reason I'm talking about the weather is because we don't know what the weather is going to be like in February 23rd. It could be it could be 85 degrees or it could be snowing. And so we don't know what's going to happen. So I'm sure you guys are going to be prepared for anything. But what is the you know, what is that variation? Uh, what does that look like for you guys prepping? Yeah, I think it's, the main thing is with the wet tires, we only have a, a one selection there. So that's easy with the, with the weather like that. But it's the, the slick tire where we have three options available to us. And they're all sort of dependent on temperature range, but we're only allowed to uh, nominate two of those. So before the event, a long time before the event, so it means that Michelin have a chance to 
produce the tyre and ship the tyres to the event, the teams have to sort of put in their request of what they want for that race weekend. So it's very hard for the race team, the race engineers, to really sort of try and second guess what the weather will be like, so especially when it's the time of year that it could be, like you say, any type of weather, really high temperatures or, or very cold. So um, I think on this occasion we've gone for Austin being a bit colder than previous years. Um, and, you know, that's helped with our, our uh, tyre selection. Um, and, yeah, and, and in 2014, when we had that sort of uh, huge rainfall in the middle of the race where they sort of uh, red flagged the race for a period of time, um, again, that was a bit of a surprise for everyone because uh, certainly for, uh, if you race mainly in Europe, never anyone says, right, you're going to go, there's a race in America this weekend, you're going out there, you just think, oh, I need to pack my shorts and my sunglasses. <laughs> um, and that, that's caught me out a few times in all these years of racing is that you know again it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be uh, uh blue skies and and the sun's going to be out so um yeah you've just got to be ready for everything and um you know one of the benefits of certainly racing in the uk is that we get a lot of rain and, and decent amount of experience of racing in the rain so uh if it rains in kota it's not going to be a, a big a big deal for most of the teams i think that the one thing is maybe with the the resurfacing that we understand has happened. Um, it'd be interesting to see where the big puddles are, if there's any rivers, and you know, just trying to learn um, sort of where to avoid having a problem with the with the rain, etc. But I want to talk about the car. I mean, and the brand, Aston Martin. You you really you've got one of the f- most fantastic jobs in the world, working for a brand <laughs> like Aston Martin with their rich racing history. And now that you guys are running the new version of the Vantage with the, what is it, the four-liter twin turbo, and, I mean, you've got to be excited every time you go out there and see that thing. You know, I had a very soft spot for the the previous generation Vantage, um, and it was a great car, and we raced it for six years, and obviously a normally aspirated V8, it's got a, a certain note of uh, to the engine, so... You know, we all had success in that car, and that transition period to the to the new car with the turbo. So everyone getting used to driving with the turbo cars. But yeah, you know, I think every driver in the team is really pleased with how the cars progressed, how it's developed from those early test days, and you can see it's been really successful with the amount of wins that it's had under its belt already in the WC as a GTE car. And then you look at what it's been doing on the world scene as a as a GT3 car as well. So you know. It is really good from certainly as a British driver to be driving for for Aston Martin. It's a it's a brand that's um, is is very uh, special to to everyone here in the UK, um, and then to be representing that brand around the world at, on a world sort of level of of a championship is is very special for me. So yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, look at the product range that they've got at the moment on the on the road cars with the the Vantage out there, the DB11, the DBS, and and now everyone's looking forward to seeing how the DBX sort of uh, goes down with, with people in the SUV sort of world. So it's going places, and that's the nicest thing. We've been going places on the on the racetrack for, for a while now, and, and the company certainly in the last sort of five, six years is is really sort of building momentum now. So it's, it's good to see, and hopefully that sort of keeps us all out there racing and, and flying the flag for, for Aston Martin. Talk about the actual track circuit of the americas and and the, the characteristics of the track and and what do you think of when you think of racing here at coda uh, well i mean obviously the track sort of changed over the years with the bumps that came come along and I, I like that you know i like the the circuit gaining character from being perfect you know perfect isn't yeah. always fun and i think you know most drivers having experienced lots of different circuits around the world 
generally enjoy going to race in America because it's a little bit more old school in the in the way that the circuits are. You know, one of my all-time favourites is Sebring. Um, and then you sort of end up going to uh, a Grand Prix circuit. And honestly, most of them have lost a bit of their character. But the nice thing about Cota is it's kept, you know, when it was designed, it kept a lot of character to it. Um, with the elevation change, it's quite dramatic in certain places. You know, once you get down the hill into sort of turn three, four, five, six, all that, that run through there, those curbs can really, um, really damage a car. So you have to be absolutely accurate at reasonably high speed through that, that section. And, um, you know, it just makes for a great circuit in terms of the challenge. Um, and also, I think from, from a paddock's point of view, you know, we, we travel around the world and it's nice to go somewhere that is fun. Um, and that's always yeah. been the case about racing at, at Cota, but also just being in, in Austin itself. You know, it's, it's one of those races on the, on the calendar that people look forward to. And you can't say that about every racing circuit. Um, and you, it's one, sometimes you sort of go, okay, we've got this one coming up now. Uh, hopefully we'll get a result. But there, it's, it's a sort of a means to an end where the, the whole experience of going to Austin is, is a different one. It's, it's, a, it's a fun, fun, fun week of stuff on the circuit and off the circuit as, as well. So uh, certainly, again, the teams really enjoy it, which is you know, good to see as well. We talk about the the gap where you guys did not the FIAWC World Endurance Championship did not come back to Austin last year, and you're back. And I know it was kind of a last minute thing to add to the calendar, but you know, since in the last couple of years, let's say, it feels like, and in fact, the numbers show it, that Coda's picking up some momentum. You know, it Austin wasn't a race town in 2012 when this when Coda opened its doors. But we're really building some momentum, and I'm expecting a pretty good crowd for this. I mean, I know it's somewhat last minute, but I think Austin's growing in that way, and in and in around the you know it's known around the world and around the United States. But I really hope to see a good crowd here, and for for you guys in February. But um, you know, do you think there's a chance that we could start seeing wet come back consistently? I hope so. I mean, I think from everyone who's sort of doing the racing and the teams and that, it's always high on the list of, of a place that people have enjoyed. So uh, that's the, the key. You know, if the teams all like it, then why would you not want to go back to somewhere like that? But, you know, there's always different things that are, are under sort of, um, you know, as part of WEC that their challenges of putting the calendars together. And um, and I think most people were disappointed when WEC Austin wasn't part of, of the last sort of season. So, It'd be great if it became a again a regular feature, um, and hopefully that that can happen. Um, but you know, from a driver's perspective, it, yeah, it's one of the fun races. So yeah, it'd be it'd be great if it could uh, be uh, always part of the season. Um, and and we should be racing in America. You know, the WC should be over there at some point during the season. It should be um, part of our calendar. So uh, yeah, let's see, let's see. Maybe maybe uh, this becomes a bit more of a regular. Um, addition to the calendar going forward from now. Uh, well, Darren Turner, we want to let you get back to your family. Tell everybody uh, tell what to look for and uh, when you get here to Coda, the car number and maybe even a little social media stuff so everybody knows how to follow you. Yeah, so it's, uh, we're going to be in 98. Um, that's with Ross Gunn and Paul Dallalana. Um So I think it's uh, Aston Martin Racing on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, and then I'm on um, both of those as Darren Turner 007. Although I'm not like a, a James Bond person, but at one point I did race <laughs> with a car with 007, so uh, 
I picked that as my handle. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, we really look forward to, to being there in a couple of weeks' time. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, lots of people will come down and, and watch the race. All right, Darren, thanks a lot for coming back on Speed City. We appreciate it. And uh, good luck when you get to Austin. And uh, we'll look you up and uh, come say hi. Okay, cheers, John. Thank you very much. Thanks. Take care. All Bye. Right. Bye. Yeah, heck of a nice guy. Excited oh, yeah. to have them back. Oh, I love how much he was excited to come back to Austin. Like yeah. you said, you know, you want a result, but uh, he's coming back to Austin yeah. with grin. All right, well, let's uh, let's go straight to break because we have another guest waiting on the line. We got Cooper McNeil. You listen to Speed City. We're in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives. Only water, malt, hops, and yeast. And absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Magnus Walker. Greetings from downtown LA, and thanks for tuning in to Speed City. Keep Austin weird and get out and drive. Pedal to the metal. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. In less than a week, the Rolex 24 kicks off the racing season. Boom. Get your television ready. Get your laptop ready. Get your forget iPhone. football. <laughs> football. Yeah. List, don't worry. If, if there's anybody that's a football fan, they're not listening now because yeah. there's a couple of big games there, going on. Oh, whatever. How about them Cowboys? No, no. Who? Not, Who? <laughs> not the Cowboys. But, no, in six days, I the Rolex know. 24 at Daytona kicks off, and our next guest is going to be driving 
Ferrari. So we want to welcome to the show Cooper McNeil. Cooper, welcome to Speed City. Hey, thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate you having me on this evening. Uh, well, oh, thank yeah. you very much. He's going to be the driver for the WeatherTech Racing Scuderia Corsa Ferrari. I got to tell you, I'm already jealous of Cooper. If you looked at his racing history, <laughs> he's been in all three of the coolest cars. The Vet, the Porsche, and now the Ferrari. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yeah, you got a heck of a career, yeah. Cooper. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. I appreciate the uh, recognition. Uh, I'll be honest. You have this big American car with the Corvette, but me being six foot five, I didn't fit in the thing at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I, I didn't fit in it. I saw, I watched a, a YouTube interview today with you, and there was a guy that basically had his arm extended up, and I was like, how tall is Cooper McNeil? I meant to look that up. So six five. How the heck? You're in the wrong sport, man. I don't know. You hardly fit in any cars. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Uh, you don't know how many times I've heard that before. But <laughs> honestly, I've I've worked a lot with uh, with Ferrari to get me to fit in the race car. I mean, uh, the seat is stationary, but as far as the pedals and the steering wheel goes, they uh, they move a lot for me, a lot more than they normally did before. So uh, big thanks to them for working with me, getting me fitting not only comfortably, but safely in the thing. You know, I went to Skip Barber many years ago, and I got into that little Formula Ford. And, you know, they pull off the nose, and the guy was like. John's pretty tall, too. Yeah, here. I'm about 6'3", and, and he looked down in there, and he goes, I had my big old, you know, tennis shoes on. And he goes, this is not going to work. He said, your feet, <laughs> you're going to be hitting at least two pedals at a time. And I, I ran over to walmart or something and bought some wrestling shoes and and made it made that work but yeah so i feel your pain a little bit but but yeah, yeah i man. know the i know the feeling so. <laughs> well hey we want to talk about what's coming up in a few days here the rolex 24 racing a ferrari uh tell us what you've been doing what's what's going on about getting prepped and and how's it going so far yeah sure actually next weekend i'm racing two different ferraris i'm racing the ferrari challenge series uh again for the third excuse me fourth year in a row I've won it, uh, won the championship the last two years in a row in that in that series, and looking forward to being back there. So, so I actually start the the 24 hour weekend with two 30 minute races in the challenge car Thursday night and Friday night, two night races, which is the first time in Ferrari Challenge North American history. That's cool. Doing two night races at Daytona, which should be cool, and then uh, shortly thereafter is Saturday starting the 24 hour. So busy weekend <laughs> for me. Uh, I mean, I've been in. In a Ferrari last year, almost every weekend of the year. Uh, so a lot of seat time contributing to uh, the continued success. Um, but, yeah, next weekend is going to be a really busy weekend for me with a doubleheader going on. Yeah, you need to start, you know, carb loading and getting extra hours of sleep. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I, I, this a little bit of a random question. I haven't asked a lot of race drivers this question. I don't know what made me think of it. Maybe it's just your upcoming schedule. But I was watching the Netflix series, Formula One, and I, I saw the episode where Roman Grosjean – was doing some things for his mental health. You guys, you know, we talk all about physical and all that stuff. What do you guys do? Do you got have meditation? What do you do for your mental health? Uh, I would say relaxation and meditation for me works the best. No, no sort of uh, pharmaceutical made medication is gonna gonna help any of that. Nor would sure. it be the right way to go. Um, but in in my sport, I mean, it's so fast paced and. You know, even though it's a 24-hour long race, eh, every single lap, every every single corner is is flat out because the the cars, knock on wood, are so reliable these days that that the pace is unseen, unheard of. Uh, it's way faster than than it ever has been in in previous years. So, um, for me, slowing down a little bit, relaxation, a little bit of uh, meditation, and uh, removal from 
the extremely fast-paced uh, sport that we're in is is imperative for me. Uh, I mean, especially when trying to recover and go fast again after after a three-hour long stint in the car from, you know, who knows, say midnight to three in the morning. That is that's always interesting to me. So as far as training, we had Alexander Rossi on one time, and he was talking about his physical training and how he works through the mental exercises that he essentially has like a stair climber or a treadmill going on. And yet he's got an exercise for his mental capacities of doing math and solving <laughs> puzzles and problems while he's doing that. Uh, do you combine anything like that to keep your uh, mental dexterity going too? Uh, I mean, there's a fair amount of, uh, you know, mental calculation going on within a race car, but, uh, no, I personally don't. I mean, a lot of it for me is natural reflexes and reactions. So, uh, you know, sitting at a desk with a piece of paper, trying to do a math puzzle, you have all the time (laughs) in the world. There's, there's no, there's no gun to your head to make a, you know, split second decision, but in the race car, that's the complete opposite. So for me, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of quick reaction and, and I'm fortunate enough and lucky enough to be in a race car just about every weekend of the year. So the seat time alone is preparation in itself to, to continue to be, to be better. Well, who's going to be driving with you and what kind of stints are you guys looking at? So, uh, I have Tony Vlander, who's a factory Ferrari driver of yep. 15 years, uh, with, with me for the full season, as well as, uh, Alessandro Balzant, two time IMSA, GT champion, uh, back in the car after a health issue. Uh, first time back in pro racing since then, so about a year and a half ago. Um, and then the uh, the other silver-rated driver that we had with us uh, last year, Jeff Westfall, who won the GS championship and the other MC championship. So uh, three really, really good, fast, uh, consistent, reliable guys. Um, and, you know, uh, I can trust them to, to – to bring the car home in, in one piece. And the stint, stint time is about 55 minutes for a stint on fuel. So we'll be in the car for anywhere from one to three stints at any given time. So one to three hours, essentially, with a minimum drive time per the rules of about six hours, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Awesome. Very cool, very cool. You well, know, i got to talk a little bit away from the track, if you're done talking track. Sure, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, well, now I've figured out that Cooper has two of, the coolest cars one is a f- absolute favorite of mine he's got a 1960s 250 gt ferrari Ooh. <laughs> dude you don't know how much i adore that car i mean you know i know everybody thinks james bond aston martin this is it but fast <laughs> yeah. it is gorgeous what is that like to drive I- i'm seriously just like hanging on the edge here <laughs> well first of all thank you uh but I'll, i gotta be honest I don't have that car. It's my father's car, so it belongs to him. Uh, me, however, I, well, you didn't I, get I grounded the, uh, away from it, did you? <laughs> yeah, no, no, of course not. But no, I get the uh, the uh, rare and humble opportunity to be able to drive the thing. Uh, but honestly, it, if if I were have to, if I had to describe it in one word, it'd be a three-letter word, and that's raw. Uh, the hmm. car has no electronic nannies like all current cars today. Right. No power steering, no power brakes, no traction control, no stability control, uh, no no BS. Uh, the car is, it talks to you while you're driving it. Every bump, every curve, every input, every output you, you, you feel through the steering wheel, through the pedals. And it really talks to you and tells you what it likes and what it doesn't like. However, at the same time, it's a sweetheart. <laughs> uh, the car 
uh, drives extremely well. You could drive it as a civilized street car on the street, or you could drive it on the race car, uh, racetrack and, and, and it acts like a race car. Um, the chassis itself is so well balanced that uh, you throw it into a corner and expect it to understeer, oversteer, a combination of two, and you just don't see that. So um, the car is is extremely special to drive, and and uh, it's nice, uh, you know, driving a 12-cylinder Ferrari uh, with a, a proper six-speed, five-speed manual gearbox and matching revs on heel-toe downshift, oh, yeah. and matching the perfect <laughs> engine note with the perfect rev count uh, on downshifts is is extremely satisfying for me. Um, See, and that's what and, I was talking yeah. about. I mean, people that don't know this car, it's got everything you want. It's got the wicked ferrari sound it's got the handling it's gorgeous i mean absolutely gorgeous in any color and it is and when i found out this was listed and associated with you and your dad i was like ah oh, that is seriously the <laughs> you know lottery car for me but i know you uh you also got another one you know how manufacturers do imitational cars and only certain people of certain caliber or certain interest to ferrari get them uh or is this well, his dad again? <laughs> I don't know. We're going to find out. He got a 48, 488 Fiesta Pelotti invitation. How'd that turn out? Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the car is unreal. Um, <laughs> a funny story about that car. So, yeah, like you said, you have to be invited by Ferrari to purchase the thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, got one of them in the Tour de France blue, one of four colors they offered in that particular car. And... Uh, the car we bought through uh, Ferrari Beverly Hills, which happens to be owned by my race team owner, Giacomo Mattioli, part of his automotive group. So the car was delivered to California. Uh, we happen to own a home in uh, Pebble Beach, Monterey area in, in Northern California. So the car was delivered there shortly after it went to the dealership. Uh, and since then, uh, I mean, I personally live in Chicago. So since then, the car has been stuck out there because my old man, uh, he said, which I wouldn't say he's wrong, but he said that he's, he said my pizza is in jail because either either it would be or I would be, and he'd rather have the car be in jail than myself. So with a 700-plus, 700 760-horsepower oh streetcar, <laughs> he's uh, not only uh, figuratively but literally put the thing in jail. Uh, in California, it won't let me have it back home here in Chicago. So that's that, quite it. That's about 250 horsepower more than the car you're going to be racing in a few days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. You're absolutely right. With the way uh, IMSA has it BOP'd, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> but I will tell you this. The car uh, spins the rear wheels through fourth gear. Don't ask me how I know, but I can I can verify that. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, Cooper McNeil, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, best of luck this this coming weekend in both race series that you're racing, Thursday night, Friday night, and then the 24 hours. We really uh, want to wish you best of luck and, and appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you, gentlemen, for having me, and uh, thank you so much. We hope to bring home some, some wins, so we're going to be pushing hard. Thank you. All righty, travel safe. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. All right, well, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, the legendary motorsport commentator Bob Varsha is going to join us, and we're going to pick his brain and learn everything we possibly can in the next 15 minutes. You're listening Always. to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages.
Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jaylenosgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. We are very excited to have our next guest back on the show one of the voices that we've all listened to over the years and one of the best. He's not done. I know, I know, <laughs> but I'm just saying he's been, he's a legendary voice in our sport and very excited to have him on the show. Bob Varsha, welcome back to Speed City. Thanks very much, guys. It's been a long time. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it has been a little while. Too long. We need too to have worrying, you on bud. more often. We need you to find your way back to Austin again. <laughs> hey, anytime. I love Austin. <laughs> Well, Bob, thanks for coming on. And, yeah, we want to talk to you about lots of things going on. I want to pick your brain a little bit on Formula One. And, uh, in fact, let's start there. And what do you think about a couple things? Number one, uh, the state of Formula One. And, you know, at, at points last year, I was thinking of up through the French Grand Prix, it looked like a disaster, a meltdown. And people were saying Liberty Media was doing a bad job. And then beyond that, it turned out to really finish to be a great season. Yeah, I did. And I expect more of that in the future, uh, if only because the radical new rules coming on in 2021 are going to make next year kind of an interim year. Uh, so with mildly evolved cars and last year's tires, since the teams unanimously decided they don't like what Pirelli proposed for next year, uh, I think it's going to be more the same. Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes will be dominant. Uh, Ferrari hopefully saw the error of their ways last year. 
and we'll get some of that straightened out. And uh, Charles Leclerc will be unleashed uh, mm-hmm. alongside Sebastian Vettel. Uh, and we all know that probably the best story last year was Red Bull Honda coming good. And young Mr. Verstappen uh, could be a factor. Uh, so, you know, with that, the, the, the rest of the field will figure out how to approach this really interesting year because with a radical new car to be built in 2021, you've got to decide how to divide your resources to get ready for that while at the same time having a, a representative effort in 2020. So I think the biggest story next year is going to be driver contracts as much as anything else as everybody looks towards 2021. Uh, that is a good point because there's that, that, that you know, there's so many going to be up in the air, and you're right. With these young guys that we've got right now, a lot of young, exciting drivers. It's fun to watch. But uh, Oh, it's great time in Formula One for young talent coming up. Absolutely. Well, what do you think about the job that Liberty Media has done overall? You know, we've talked about the way they've gone more digital. Uh, that's been that, that was a, that was the low-hanging fruit. But what about the, the, the way they've handled everything else? Well, you know, not being on the inside, I'll I'll cut them some slack. Formula One is such a unique and peculiar business model, uh, centered, of course, around Bernie Ecclestone, who ran it like his own personal fiefdom for so many years, did deals on the side, all sorts of palace intrigue, a lot of bluff and bluster. Uh, And now along comes Liberty Media, a corporate giant, in the media business who do things a certain way, a very different way, I'm sure, than the way Bernie did things. And so to to maximize on their investment, they had to get used to Bernie's way of doing things and kind of gently try to turn that ship, which I'm sure is a lot like trying to turn a, a super tanker. Mm. Uh, it doesn't move quickly. Um, but I, I will say they seem to have gotten an awful lot done. They'll get new deals in place. I think everybody realizes that a rising tide raises all boats, so they have to be cooperative to a certain extent. Um, perhaps a, a, a wrench in the works could be the fact that two of the key people, the commercial director, Sean Bratches, and Chase Carey, who's the, uh, who's the, the CEO, if you will, uh, are talking about moving on. Yeah. So we have the possibility of new faces, new philosophies, and so on coming on board, and that could be really interesting to watch. But I think yeah, Liberty Media realized early on that this was a very different animal than they thought they were taking by the tail. They've had to adjust, and I think in large part they have. I think I would agree with you that for the most part, and in fact, you know, you at the, when they first announced it, I mean, there was a lot of overseas, like, oh, my gosh, are we going to turn Formula One into NASCAR? Are they going to Americanize it too WWE much? WWE or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then when they had – the, when when they had the the fireworks and the what's the guy's name that does the announcer the, yeah the rumble guy I forgot yeah. his name anyway uh, <laughs> yeah yeah uh, they had all that and everybody was thinking are they going to really radically change the sport and you're talking I, about Michael Buffer yeah there yeah. you go ah uh, yeah right yeah and and well, anyway yeah all of that it's a very different personality yeah if if nothing else yeah. But I think a lot of people inside Formula One would agree that there was something needed. And whether it was that classic American razzmatazz or not, the United States remains the number one market in the world for motorsports. Formula One wanted to be there. Bernie wanted to be there with multiple races. Liberty Media wants to be there with multiple races. It hasn't happened yet. But I think the the folks from Liberty have a much more flexible business-like attitude when it comes to dealing with 
possibilities, and they embraced a lot of technologies, social media, and other things that Bernie really had no time for. And I think that's, on balance, uh, helped Formula One a lot, particularly with companies like Red Bull and, and the car manufacturers and so on, who want to engage with a different kind of crowd than Bernie Ecclestone felt he was catering to. And I think the business model that we're hearing Liberty Media work with is a big difference. Uh, we just saw in the news this week, Azerbaijan credits their uh, their income of over $500 million for last year's race being hosted in their locale. And that's not something that you would usually hear in the Bernie Ecclestone era. It was more, you know, they made some profit, but they wasn't anything crazy. And I think the model of a revenue share and, and helping with the ops cost has really changed it. I think we're going to see a big difference around that. Yeah, well, Formula One has always been, uh, you know, a great feather in the cap of any country. How they go about getting a Formula One race varies from place to place, usually writing a big check out of the uh, national treasury, which, of course, won't happen here in the United States. I saw those same numbers from Azerbaijan, and I think what they were talking about there was the the income to the country, to to Baku as a city and the tourism and and the boost they got from being on the Formula One stage. And, yeah, it was a pretty staggering number over the short duration of that race thus far. Yeah, you know what? That number, $500 million, is exactly the number, or, or within a few, that they've quoted here in Austin. Austin, you know, Austin hosts these mega conferences, South by Southwest and ACL. Mm-hmm. And I think it was ACL had a study done, and this was a few years ago, and then – Bobby Epstein smartly grabbed that same company, did an apples to apples comparison, and the ACL Fest showed an impact, economic economic impact of three hundred fifty million dollars to Austin, and Formula One had a over five hundred million dollar economic impact, and the circuit itself had an over eight hundred million dollar impact on the city. And this is, you know, he he still wrote the check to pay for the study, but it was an apples to apples. So. So it, there's, you know, there's probably some pretty good credibility to it, but similar number, about a half a billion dollars economic impact. I mean, th- those are pretty astounding numbers. Yeah, that's a great argument to have uh, in your pocket when you go to to try to make arrangements for, for public support, um, even if it's not money, but just in-kind services, that sort of thing. There's not many events year after year that will produce that kind of return. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to ask you something about our American Formula One team. You know, the Haas F1 team came out of the gate. uh, Well, besides the wheels coming off in Australia a couple of years in a row, but they've come out and done a really an amazing job. And this past season, they really, really struggled with the with the tires. They talked about it with the with the tiny little window of operating temperature in the tires and never could quite get everything right. Yeah. What do you think about what they've done, and, and do you think that they're going to get back on track and continue that upward trajectory that they had for the first three years? Well, I suppose you know one of the big drawbacks of having big early success is that sooner or later you're going to come up with something less, and it's going to look like a total disaster. Uh, having said that, yeah, the Haas team had their problems last year after a couple of seasons of surprisingly good results. Um, you know, I think it's just fairly typical of – the model that, you know, the, the lower tier teams, if you will, without denigrating anybody, if you're not one of the big three or four, then you're, you know, one of the seven dwarfs. And, um, and that can be tough. Um, so, you know, where do you go when you've 
you've created this team, you've got your system down, you have your people in place, you have some early success, you try something, and it kind of blows up. And Haas was not the only team that had trouble with those tires last year. I mean, you look at, at the poor Williams squad. I mean, oh. They just could not get out of their own way. And there were other teams up and down the grid that were that were complaining about the tires, which made it all the more interesting, I think, when Pirelli rolled out proposed tires for next year, and the teams all tried them and said, nope, you know, give us give us the 2019 tires. Yeah. Um, I, I think Haas's problems are fixable, and I think Gene Haas and Gunther Steiner and all those people um, certainly are more than smart enough to realize that, and, and we'll get some fixes made. You know, I want to step back just a little bit because I, I, we talked about it earlier in the show a little bit, but what, have you watched the full Netflix series Drive to Survive, number one, but also I have seen over and over everybody from Formula One, outside Formula One, commentators talk about how what a smart thing that was to try to embrace the United States audience. And just anecdotally, the people that in my sphere, uh, I mean, I've had pe- some people that I have friends or whatever that don't follow motorsports at all, but they say they absolutely love that that uh, Netflix series. And I personally kind of behind think it, the curtain. Yeah, I think it was a brilliant move. Yeah, I think so, too. I saw the first season series. I haven't seen the second. I don't even know if it's released yet. Yeah, to be it's, honest. it's not out yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting how, uh, you know, Ferrari and Mercedes, who said no thanks the first year, took a look at what they did <laughs> and said, oh, yeah, come on in. Yeah, we're all, we're all in for season two. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's obviously a good thing. You know, it's a famous movie director once said, you have to have conflict. You have to have that kind of, of abrasion, you know, the real life values going down. It's not all sweetness and light. It's not champagne and Hmm. supermodels and super yachts and all that kind of thing and fast cars and blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of hard work, and there's a lot of conflict within the teams, personalities and so on. It's really, really difficult to compete in Formula One. Even if you're not competitive, it's hard just to to be there. And, uh, of course, Gunther Steiner comes off as Captain F-bomb, and he's going to have to try to live that down. But, you know, you could you could just see the intensity. You could see how hard the drivers were trying and how it was going wrong time and again. Uh, it, it's just really, really difficult. And I thought that the Netflix series really caught the, the compelling nature of trying to work in that environment. Yeah, I, I interviewed Gunther Steiner, and he said that he was actually kind of embarrassed about all that. But well, oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah. Well, well, Bob, I want to talk – we've got a, just a, about two and a half, three minutes left. I want to talk a couple things. One – I want to huh? talk. I want to talk about your health because I know that there's been a lot of people worried about you, and you've you've shared quite a bit on social media about your diagnosis with prostate cancer. And mm-hmm. when I saw that, I it was just a kick in the gut. I I know it's a very survivable form of cancer. My dad had that for many years, and but I, I just and I I'm really excited to see, and we're going to share the GoFundMe page that it's doing really well. Are you kidding? We're not just sharing; we're challenging everybody. We made a donation tonight at Speed City, and we want our fans to pop in there yeah. and support the best Uncle Bob anybody could have. Uh, I really appreciate that, guys. It's um, you know, as you can imagine, the diagnosis of prostate cancer kind of turns your life upside down. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I've had to lay, make a lot of quick adjustments to my work schedule, to my personal schedule, to my family schedule, to uh, seek out the best doctors I could find, and I think I've found them. Uh, the support from everybody out there 
has been just fabulous. Uh, you know, I thought for a while about trying to keep all this quiet, but then I thought, why? No. Why am I doing that? It's going to get out sooner or later, and and there's so much good that can be done if I put my story out there, as my colleague Brian Till did before me, saying, "Look, guys, this can happen to you. Don't rely on the traditional. You know, don't wait to talk to your doctor, putting it off. Get checked. Don't rely on the traditional red flag for prostate cancer indication." which is your PSA test in the blood. Get the digital rectal exams. They're, uh, they're a little bit dehumanizing, but that's how I found out. My PSA levels never budged. It was when they went in and wow. actually poked the gland that they found out something's wrong. We need to do a biopsy. And now, you know, here I am in chemotherapy. But, yeah. you know, it's, uh, with all the good wishes from people out there, um, you know, we're going to beat this. We're going at it guns blazing and bring it on. Well, you Bob, go, thank you uh, for sharing that with everybody because it is near and dear to my heart with my dad having it. And, and everybody, you, you got to get the PSA, but like you said, you got to go get the physical exam too. Hey, well, and Bob, we're going to put are, that link out shortly. Yeah, we're going to put that link. Well, Bob, we are, it, it, this time flew by. It's always special for us to have you on the show. We thank you so much. We're going to share, tell everybody, you know, send out on, on social media where you're going to be on the air this year, and, and we'll share those posts and everything. But, but thank you for, so much for coming on tonight. Well, it's great to be with you guys again. I'd be glad to come on anytime. Uh, right now, my work schedule is fluid. Since I didn't know what I would be available for, depending on how I would react to chemotherapy and whatever treatments uh, might be involved after that, uh, but I am hoping to uh, to be out and about at least, going to, to Concord and going to races, hopefully, and catching up with friends and, and maybe working a little bit going forward. I had a nice invitation from Europe to do some GT work over there. And, um, yeah, I hope to be back on uh, on the airwaves sooner than later. But right now, I just can't give you a definite time schedule. Well, you always got a seat here, buddy. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks very much. Thanks, Bob. And uh, good luck with your health and everything. And, and we'll be watching, and we'll stay in touch. I appreciate it very much. You Take bet. care. Best buddy. wishes, buddy. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, tonight. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.